and there were guys hooked up to IV units to hydrate because it was, not to be too graphic, coming out both ends. <laughs> I'm not sure what the f*** this is. I'm about to find out. This is Talkin' Audio. Hello, everybody. Welcome inside an all-new episode of the Talkin' Audio podcast. Matt Robinson here with you saying, Happy Boxing Day. Thanks for taking a little time away from your door crashing or your online shopping to uh, to spend with us. Great show for you here today is our buddy Paul Romanuk is here, legendary hockey broadcaster, longtime friend of uh, of our show, uh, and we speak to him almost every year around the holidays about uh, well holiday hockey, and we're going to do the same here this time. Spangler Cup, little World Juniors, uh, lots to catch up with Mr. Paul Romanuk on, so we're going to do exactly that. Uh, it's the holiday season, so I'm not going to work too hard here putting together an intro. We're going to get right to it right now. Happy to welcome in our friend Paul Romanuk. How are you today, Paul? I've been well, thanks for asking, Matt. I've uh, been okay. The, the latest edition of Hockey Superstars is out, hopefully coming to a, a stocking near you for a... Uh, for a young hockey fan uh, and working on another uh, series of my music podcast, The Walrus Was Paul. So that's that's keeping me busy. And of course, all the holiday stuff, right? You're you're out uh, buying presents and figuring out what you want to cook if you're a cook like I am and there's lots going on. I don't uh, dabble in that. I head down to my parents' place. I let my mom take care of the cook and she's excellent at it. Why interfere, right? Why I, oh, ju- oh. I just get in the way. <laughs> and hey, don't let me, don't let me leave. I know this is the Tall Can Audio podcast. Don't let me leave without, we. I got to tell you about my latest, it's it's a quality beer we got to talk about. Well, this is what makes you such a good broadcaster, Paul, because that's exactly what I was about to bring up. We're talking uh, in the morning, so I'm not sipping on anything right now, but I was definitely going to ask you if you had tried anything good lately. So uh, why don't you take us there? Well, I have been a fan, as you know, from podcasts past uh, of uh, Wellington Brewery, which yeah. is a little a little brewery, craft brewery in Guelph, Ontario, and they do deliver to uh, where I live, so I, I frequently buy from them. Well, they have for the holiday season, they have a really nice stout, uh, and it's very nice, uh, a little little bit more of a, a bite than Guinness, so not quite as smooth, but what they've done for the holiday season is they've added a little touch of mint in the aftertaste, and it tastes a little bit like a peppermint patty. Oh, I like that idea. But not too, not like sickly sweet peppermint patty, just right. a little, a little like those good coffee beers that you get that just has a little, little hint at the back end. And that's what this has. And I'm, uh, I've been savoring those the last couple of weeks. Well, I got to then recommend to you down in, uh, in Whitby, where I know you're familiar from your days calling the Jennies and, uh, and, you know, being around the area that, uh, there's a brewery called Five Paddles and those guys are awesome. They have a great stout and all winter long. They just experiment with throwing all kinds of different stuff in it to see how it tastes. Last year, there was one that was called uh, coconut cream pie. So they threw a little coconut in there. Um, They've done different fruit ones. They've done, you know, mint like you're talking about. And they just, they use that stout, which is nice and thick and can kind of dull down. So, you know, whatever they put in isn't too overpowering. And then they just use that stout as the base and, and put all kinds of different stuff in it to try. So it's five paddles in Whitby. If you're into that sort of thing, um, you'll love it. They make great stuff down there. I'm going to look that up, Five Paddle Stout. Thanks for the tip. And I'll just ask you one, because I know you are an expert in these matters. <laughs> I'm looking for something that's Guinness-like, but craft brewery made. Where do I go? Wow. Uh, my One of my all-time favorite stouts, 
Uh, I guess it's somewhat Guinness-like, but it would be from the uh, Railway City Brewing Company in St. Thomas. They have one called, uh, and I, I'm forgetting the name of it, but they only have the one stout, but it's the Railway City Brewing Company there in St. Thomas. I can send you the link off air, and I'll, I'll put it in the show notes for the good listener if they want to check it out. But they make an excellent stout that's kind of a little drier like Guinness, right? And uh, um, that that would be my recommendation as your next stout to try. It's- this has already been worth every moment of my time. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear you say that. I've had that brown cow milk stout as well. It is also one of my favorite stouts in the province. It's fantastic. So, I um, pray. I praise from the tall can man. That's right. And uh, I should tell you because I, I don't know if you'd be interested in trying it or not. But um, I just uh, I do an advent calendar every year. That's a bunch of different breweries from around the province. And uh, I just had this week an IPA that was called uh, Habanero in Your Face, and, and it had Habanero in it, and it's a 6.5% IPA, and I'm not much for spicy food, but I figured this is a beer, how dangerous can it be? And it didn't burn me or anything, but you definitely notice as you're sipping it towards the back end, you're, the back of your tongue's kind of heating up by the time you're swallowing it. It was really, I'm not sure it's one of those ones you'd sit down and have, you know, six of on a Saturday or whatever, but as something fun to try, it was pretty cool. Uh, okay, I, I might get. I, I've tried those before, and it, to me, it's a little like the uh, you know, like somebody's put something in your beer when you <laughs> room things. You know, you go, hey, you'll see. If, but but I'll give it a try. All, right, it. all right. Um, one of the reasons we're given a little extra attention to the Spangler Cup this year, Paul, and is I'm sort of in a weird place with the World Juniors after everything that has come out over the last year with Hockey Canada and all these sorts of things, and. There's no grand declarations here that I won't watch a second of world juniors and and these sorts of things. I I have a hard time also taking it out on this group of kids, what's happened in the past. But in in previous years, the world juniors has always been one of my favorite events of the sporting calendar. And this year, I just find myself kind of, right, like I'm having a hard time getting up for it. Where are you at? You know, we're going to get into the Spangler Cup in a second, but where are you at with the world juniors at this point? Do you have any interest at all in it this year? Well, there's sort of two separate issues, right? Uh, do I have any interest in it? Yeah, a passing interest, but you know, not nearly uh, the level of interest I had when I when I was calling play by play for all those World Juniors back in the '90s, and then I did a bunch more uh, for a Eurosport uh, in the 2000s. Uh, so that was professional interest. I have a passing fans interest. I'll be aware of what's going on. Will I sit down and watch a bunch of games? No. I won't. Um, probably not. They're just, you know, other things going on. Sure. But I guess in terms of all the sexual allegations attached to Hockey Canada and the World Junior Program, I think the one thing people should keep in mind is the kids that are on the team now or the young men. Uh, I know at least when I was doing it, and I think it's just intensified for many of them. Playing in the World Junior Hockey Championship for Canada uh, or the United States or Sweden or whatever your country of birth is, is something they've aspired to since they were kids because they grew up watching it uh, over the holiday season. And it's something if you were an elite player, one day I want to do that. I want to play for Team Canada. And for many, this will be the highlight of their entire hockey career. They won't go on to play in the NHL. They won't have a long career in the NHL. Uh, this will be the big thing. None of them were in that room. Uh, and as far as we know, none of them have showed the serious lack of judgment that those people allegedly did. Right. So 
it's it's kind of unfair to hang that on them, if you know what I mean. It's it's kind of like, and if I can use an analogy, hope it's accurate. It's like blaming a present day German for what happened during the Second sure, World War. Yes. Right? They had nothing to do with it, and I I don't think. Uh, any of these young men, well, I, I'm sure they didn't have anything to do with the question, the alleged crimes in question. But having said that, uh, does the culture need to change? Absolutely, it does. Uh, there's no question. And I think they're on the way to trying to do that. So I wouldn't boycott it myself because of that. Right. And it's there is some hypocrisy here because, uh, you know, what? Uh, the Spangler Cup will also be presented by Hockey Canada, who are the people ultimately that are going to have to wear this. So, you know, if I'm going to watch one and not the other, there is, a, like I said, I, I'm not sitting here saying I won't watch the World Juniors. It's just definitely dampened my enthusiasm or my excitement as this cloud kind of hangs over. Last thing on this for you, as a broadcaster um, who mainly did play-by-play, but did, of course, do interviews and stuff at this time, where do you stand on, you know, the, the fact that kids on this team will inevitably be asked about the cloud over Hockey Canada. We saw it in the August World Juniors when they, you know, replayed that one in the in the summer. Those kids were being asked, you know, how does it feel to be here representing Hockey Canada and these sorts of things. And again, they had nothing to do with it, but it's the biggest story in the, you know, in the country at that time, at least as far as sports go. Is, is it offside? Is it fair to ask them about it? Like, it seems harsh to me to be asking teenagers living their dream, as you said, about something that they had nothing to do with. Well, on one level, I agree with you, Matt, it is uh, for the for the aforementioned reasons. But on the other hand, it's a perfectly legitimate question. You know, it's 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 not uh, I I don't think as long as it's not asked with malice Mm -hmm. or a leading question, it's perfect. It's a perfectly legitimate question to ask somebody, hey, there's this cloud hanging over the brand, if you will, and you're wearing that on your sweater. What are your thoughts on that? And their thoughts may be, well, my thoughts are I'm uh, I'm proud to play in this tournament and that has nothing to do with me. Or their thoughts might be, well, yeah, it does sort of cast a pall over things a little bit uh, when you know that the guys who wore this uh, didn't display all of the uh, all of the leadership characteristics that we'd like people who wear this uniform to display. So there are a number of different answers and I'm sure they'll all be coached anyway. But to answer your question, uh, no, I don't I don't think it's uh, disrespectful at all to ask that question. I think it's a completely fair question to ask. And you know what goes with the gig? You want to be a professional athlete. You want to be in the public eye. You're going to have to answer difficult questions sometimes. If you don't like it, go play in a rec league. Nobody will bother you. Yeah. And I guess that's fair. It just, it just makes me cringe a little, right? To watch these guys. I, I think you're probably right. It's, it's not offside. It's just a little uncomfortable. And that's, that's the gig though, as you've suggested. Why don't we move this over to the Spangler Cup? And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on to talk about this is, Obviously, you called so many of them, but maybe what some people don't know is how influential you were in getting this thing on television in Canada. Uh, why don't we start with just sort of the concept of the thing? It's it's a European club tournament for those who don't watch it a ton. It's instead of national teams coming, uh, other than Canada, really, it's, it's invitees um, from different European leagues that come in. Uh, and then Canada will gather up, you know, it's, it's club, top club players from you know, different clubs around Europe and, and invite them to come represent Canada. Uh, do you, can you explain to me how the invitation works? Cause there's only six spots each year and we've seen different leagues, you know, do, is there, is it a league champion? Is it just whoever's available that year? How do they decide who's going to play in this thing year to year? 
It's decided by the Spengler Cup organizing committee. Uh, that is so that that's the the, the simple answer. Uh, and they like to get strong representation from the other leagues, uh, i.e. it would be great if they could get the league champion to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it is also availability because in Europe, as in North America, the holiday season is a very lucrative time for sporting events. This is why when I started doing the tournament many years ago, you usually had representation from uh, from Swe- or pardon me, from Finland uh, and from Sweden sometimes. But what happens is those leagues now play through the Christmas season. Okay. Uh, when the Spengler started. Uh, everything shut down during the Christmas season. So all of these teams were available to come and play, but as times have changed uh, and people want to be entertained over the holiday season, uh, that has changed. So they can't always get the top clubs because they'll be playing games during the holiday season when they can play in front of packed houses and have big TV audiences uh, domestically. So it's, it's kind of a little bit of, they're trying to do the best they can, but they don't always get the absolute best. The one constant since I've been involved has always been Team Canada, which, as you laid out, is a team made up of Canadian expats who are over playing in the leagues. Most of them come from the uh, domestic Swiss League. Uh, a few come from, you know, Austria, uh, the KHL, Germany, and so on. But it, it's primarily stocked by expats who are playing in Switzerland. It's almost a uh, hundred years old. I guess next year would be the. I think it started in uh, 1923, and uh, it hasn't been played for the last two years due to the pandemic. But it is back this year. Uh, Canada, of course, involved again. Um, HC Davos is the host. I know you've been there. Tell us a little bit about you know, the, the, the host team and, and city, because I've heard that this is, you know, one of those things. And uh, you actually have recommended it to me that that's gotta be a bucket list item. If you're going to travel for a sporting event is to get to the Spangler cup. Tell me about the event itself. It's been as in terms of a, an event that I regularly covered, uh, during my career by far, not even close, my favorite, uh, it's the setting is like living on a postcard. Uh, it's, uh, Davos is a, a ski village. It's not, it's, you know, it's a, it's a village, a town, it's not a city, uh, and it's nestled right in between two mountain ranges, uh, two groups of mountains. There's a sort of a road that comes in one end and goes out the other, and that's about it. And the rail line comes in and so on. But you look up on either side from the main street and you see mountains, you can walk to the foot of Jakob's Horn, which is the big skiing mountain there and, and go up. Uh, it, it, it's, there's just so much atmosphere. It's beautiful. <clears throat> and especially at that time of year, Christmas, it's fantastic. The rink is the most beautiful hockey rink that I've ever been in. Wow. Uh, just the way it's set, you stand and you look at it and you see the mountains in the background and it's sort of nestled down in a bit of a valley. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there's a uh, there's a big, huge outdoor soccer pitch, which gets turned into a skating rink during the wintertime. 
it's just beautiful. You know, you walk down the main street uh, and there's uh, little bars and cafes and shops and hotels, uh, amazing atmosphere. And then on top of that, the hockey is really competitive, really entertaining. The games are all sold out. So there's fantastic atmosphere and you get that European fan thing going where if there's a, uh, a game being played uh, in the afternoon game, there's usually an afternoon and a night game. So you go down at lunchtime and the main drag is packed full of people and the bars are overflowing and everybody sort of heads down to the rink around game time and they have bratwurst stands and beers <laughs> and everything outside so the party's outside and people go in and there's the singing and the chanting it it's great it, if you love hockey uh, it is a bucket list one for sure is it you know obviously it's a ski town there's snow or whatever is it bitterly cold like like here or what's you know can can you be outside and kind of enjoy yourself well, I did it for 11 years, and you got a bit of everything. Uh, with uh, climate change, there were a couple of times when we were there where there was almost no snow, and it was temperature was zero or above zero. There have been other times there where it is bitterly cold. Uh, walk outside, you know, minus 10, minus 15, wind chill, really, really cold. So you get both, but I would say the default most of the time I was there is it's cold. So, you know, minus five, wintry, uh, minus five, minus 10, temperature drops at night because it's in the mountains and uh, a fair bit of snow. So this thing, much like the World Junior, starts on Boxing Day. I'm assuming this means that you spent uh, at least a couple of Christmases in Davos, what is, is that something, you know, are you able to bring family with you? Do you ever get used to, I know you did the world juniors as well, spending the holiday season away. Does that bug you or is it just something that kind of comes with the job? No, I, I actually really miss that. Uh, from about 1990 up until 2013 was my last Spengler cup. So Putting all those together, uh, that was World Junior through the 90s, Spengler Cup all through the 2000s. I was home for Christmas maybe once. Wow. I was always somewhere for Christmas. So that was my Christmas. And uh, and it, it was really enjoyable. I was so lucky to be able to spend Christmas uh, and Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve and all these different countries with different cultures and see how they celebrate it in Sweden, Finland, the Czech Republic, Russia, was in all those different places. And of course, as you pointed out, Davos the most because uh, the Spengler Cup is always in Davos. And I was I did the, the tournament for 11 years. Uh, and it's I can't, I can't think of a better place. A typical Christmas Eve, everybody's in. Uh, the the uh, players on Team Canada, especially, it turned into this real family thing. So the players and their families and the coaching staff would all be gathered at the team hotel. Uh, I didn't stay at the team hotel. I'd stayed at somewhere else and I'd pop down and you go into the hotel bar and it would be jammed with kids. <laughs> family members and there'd be Christmas music and you'd have a few beers with the coaches and very informal and friendly. And then the tournament starts the next day. Uh, and then with the Spangler, once it starts, it's just a whirlwind because you do two games a day uh, and it goes through and it ends with the championship game at noon local time on New Year's Eve day. Uh, so it's just once that puck hits the ice on the 26th, <laughs> just a blur. But to spend Christmas there, was was so fantastic. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Sure. The first one I did uh, when I was there for Christmas, I woke up on Christmas Day, uh, budgets being uh, as they were. Only, 
I went, my wife didn't come with me. Uh, so I was there with my work colleagues and I woke up and there was lots of snow and I stepped out onto the balcony of this little inn where we were staying and I heard jingle bells. I heard, heard like, like horse bells, sleigh bells. And I thought this can't be right. And I looked over the balcony and going up the street was a horse and carriage and the horses had jingle <laughs> Christmas day. I'm in the mountains, snow everywhere and horses going by with jingle bells on. How much can that be? I had to pinch myself. It's like a snow globe. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was like, you know, a snow globe. It was like living on a postcard yeah. for, for however long you were there for the tournament. So for a long time, it didn't get a ton of attention in Canada. I know you were influential in getting it on, on television over here. What happens there? How do, what goes into getting that done? Well, here's the backstory is, of course, I did the World Junior Championship for so many years. And uh, this was before what I think was the mistake of moving it to Canada for, you know, three out of every four years, which is, I think we've all gotten a little World Junior Championship tired. It's a bit much. Uh, yeah, uh, but that's another topic for another podcast. Uh, and so it used to be in Europe a lot. Uh, it was when it was rotated. So when I was over there with my work colleagues, you would click on the hotel in whatever city you were in. And uh, they mostly all of them had Eurosport, uh, which was like a, this trans uh, European uh, sports channel it goes all across Europe. And they were showing this tournament and the shots of the fans and the hockey and everything, it would be on during the day. And I thought, man, that looks really good. What is it? And I paid closer attention. Oh, it's the Spengler Cup. What is the Spengler Cup? Asked a few people over there. So found out that it was the world's oldest invitational club team tournament and it's held in Davos every year and so on and so forth. And you, you, you knew little or nothing about it in Canada. I certainly didn't. Mm -hmm. So fast forward, watching it, always thought, wow, what a great TV event that is because the pictures are just fantastic. The arena is beautiful. The fans are colorful and entertaining and the hockey's good. Um, somebody should put that on TV. So time goes by and uh, I eventually left TSN, went and did a radio show, stopped doing that, was in a position where, where I was freelancing and a friend of mine, uh, Gary Green, was coaching Canada's national team at the time, and he was involved with Hockey Canada. And he called me up one day and he said, Romy, we're sitting here talking and we're wondering if you have any ideas about some of the, the sort of B events that our national team plays in. So the Spengler Cup, the Deutschland Cup, the Swiss Cup, Isvestia, a bunch of tournaments that don't get much recognition over here. And I said, well... I said, why don't we try to put something together and see if we can get them on TV? And we thought we'd start with the Spangler because I'd always thought that would be a great TV event. So I brought in uh, an old work colleague uh, who was uh, who was on the production side and uh, Doug Honiger as well, uh, who I knew from his playing days in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And the three of us sort of brainstormed. And between the three of us, we managed to secure the Canadian broadcast rights. And then we went to Sportsnet and said, how about it? And I'll spare you all the, uh, the all the technical details. Bottom line is it was a go. So that is how it ended up being on Canadian TV. And then over the the next 11 years, 
our hard work uh, and a lot of it my hard work developed it into a pretty decent Canadian television sports property. Uh, the people at Sportsnet, not surprisingly, dropped the ball. They didn't realize that, uh, that you know, this, this would be pretty good. So just when it was starting to gain some traction after about five years, they lost interest in it. And TSN said, uh, yeah, thank you very much. That'll fit in nicely with our holiday season schedule as complimentary programming to the World Junior Championship. And it dropped in very nicely and it works really well for them. It, it, it was gaining, you know, for for those kinds of games, you know, World Junior, when Canada's playing, you're up well north of a million. We were in the hundred thousands for right. Canada playing at the Spengler Cup, which was very good for something that started from scratch uh, a few years before. I always felt like Sportsnet didn't properly, like, I don't know if it would have fully competed, but to have that to at least get you through the holidays while TSN is raking up with the the World Juniors, it it really felt like it was something they could have put a little more, I don't know, a little more pizzazz behind, right? Or a little more energy into to at least have that as kind of their anchor holiday season programming. And it just never seemed like they totally grasped onto what they had. And I don't know how big it could have or would have become, but I don't know. It just never really felt like they pushed it. Matt, it's like you were in the room with it when we were. (laughs) We always thought the same. Uh, You know, our, our pitch to them was, guys, you're never going to get the world junior ever. It's not going to happen. So why don't you take this and make it your world junior? Now, it's never going to be the world junior Mm -hmm. champ, but it's a pretty good event. It's a great TV event, and it's better than most of the crap that you show during the holiday season. So why don't you, you know, why don't you do this? And well, it's uh, daytime hockey during the holiday season when everybody's at home. Instead of showing, you know, best of or worst of for the three hundredth time, put a hockey game on, and and some semblance of the population will watch it. Like. Yeah. And, and, you know, it turned out to be a pretty, the first, the first year we did it, we were talking, you know, numbers of 40, 50,000 and we were, oh, well, you know, that's not bad because that's, that's what, you know, college football games are going to get in Canada uh, in general. Right. right? Uh, But very, very quickly, uh, we were getting numbers up in the, you know, 200, 250, 300,000, 350. So good numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it would be way better numbers than some of the stuff you just talked about. Now, I suppose, uh, and I'm just supposing here, uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, a company that uh, can sometimes treat nickels and dimes like they're manhole covers right. <laughs> and didn't want to spend the money that it would have cost to have had a crew over there and really, you know, done it up uh, to make it look like a big television event who knows it never happened and it was to tsn's benefit because they were very happy to take it on and i think it works really well right now the way they slotted in around the world junior championship games yeah it's true what what's it like for the canadian players over there is this something that um that they get excited they want to be a part like there are dozens and dozens and dozens of of expat canadians playing over in in europe right now lots of them like to me half the fun of the spangler cup was seeing names like oh hey there he is i remember that guy or or whatever who you know maybe was in the nhl or maybe one day did play in a world junior whatever it might have been he pops up on team canada here do they you know are there guys that lobby to be on the team or is it uh you know seen as an obligation what do the uh the players think of the thing well, it's it's funny the power of of television. When we first went over to do the Spangler Cup, the situation was thus. It's the Christmas break. 
These guys are all away from home. So many of them would bring family members over and so on. And they would spend, you know, when when the league shut down, which the Swiss League does for the Christmas season, uh, they would kick back and, and relax for five days or seven days or whatever the break was. And they had a hard time. Uh, getting guys to come and commit to play for the Spangler Cup because it's a tough tournament. Sure. Like you, sh- you show up and you know you play. It's it's something like if you go all the way to the end, you're playing five games in seven days or something like that. Like it's it's not it's it's intense. Once we came over and started to do it on TV, they used it as a recruiting tool. They'd say, "Hey, this is going to be on TV," and the reaction was, "What?" It's going to be on TV back in Canada. Yes. Who's doing that? Oh, you know, and they tell them the story. Uh, and it was a big deal. Like guys were really excited about the fact that they were going to be playing in a tournament and all their buddies and family were going to be able to watch them on TV in Canada because and, and maybe a couple of scouts on their coaches at home. <laughs> There were a couple of guys who benefited from that, who who went, who were playing in Europe, played for Canada, caught a scout's eye watching back here and got signed to a deal uh, either the following season or after the European season ended. They came over. So that got everybody's attention. And then, you know, m- much like the World Junior, it just continued to grow. And, you know, the first year we did it. Um, the at the team hotel it was the players i want to say a few of the players three or four of them had their father there or maybe their mom and dad there were no wives no kids uh it was and we took up a, a corner of the hotel dining room for the for the you know the, the team new year's eve meal <laughs> by the time i finished doing it 11 years later They'd moved to a bigger hotel because the small hotel that they were in for so many years could no longer accommodate uh, all of the army of family that would come over. You'd get moms and dads, in-laws, kids, cousins, brothers, sisters, and it turned into this massive, big sort of family event, which uh, to the best of my knowledge, it still is. So that's, that's how much it grew as a result of being on TV back in Canada. There was a couple of names that stick out to me, and I'm sure there's there's more than I'm remembering. But off the top of my head, I think of Curtis Joseph and Mike Pekka, who at different times were either you know in contract disputes in Mike Pekka's case, or Curtis Joseph didn't have a contract in the NHL at that time, and and would go over and play in the Spangler Cup to get back on the radar or to stay in shape or you know just to be make sure you're still playing games and 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 ready to go if if you do get signed. Those sorts of names, you know, were they welcomed into this group or did it seem like you know nhl stars kind of treading on somebody else's territory do you remember you know any kind of bad blood or anything like how the how it went when bigger names would eventually show up i certainly the lockouts saw your joe thorntons and tyler sagans and players like that showing up and that was a whole different type thing but even outside of those occasionally players would go over on their own for their own reasons do you remember anything about that at all yeah, and uh, you're right. So, like, you, you're talking about two different things. The lockout years, and there were two lockout years when I was doing the Spangler, and that's totally different kettle of fish. Uh, that was, you know, an all-star team, if you will, to go over and play for Canada. Normally, uh, you would have the guys who were playing in Europe as expats, uh, and then it would be supplemented by a few 
guys either from North America in the situation you were talking about looking for a contract and and sometimes you would get NHL teams that would loan a minor league player to come over right. and play. Uh Justin Pogie I remember one year came over <laughs> Look, there's, I, a, there's a name flash from the past. <laughs> yeah, there's a oh, there's a ton of them. I could uh, I could Lonnie Bahanas. Anyone? Hey, hey yeah. <laughs> go down. Um, I, the name so, that always jumped you know, out to me was uh, was Matt Domichelli. I always I remember that guy, and he he played in a bunch of Spanglers. Yeah, Matt Domichelli, uh, now a Swiss citizen as well as he has dual. Yeah, citizens. he's played for Switzerland at the Olympics a couple times. I think. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Nat, a, a guy who I knew from his uh, Western Hockey League days, uh, more so than his NHL days, but the Western Hockey League, Kamloops Blazers, mm. uh, uh, especially the early years, it was for me in the in the bar after the game, it was like old home week. Was, hey, there's Jeff Tom, Greyhounds. <laughs> ah, there's Nat Damakelly, Kamloops Blazers. Hey, there's and, and you go on down the list. So. Uh, Personally, it was a lot of fun. But no, to answer your question, uh, Matt, there were never like these guys. And, and, you know, you know me well enough. I I do like to stay away from cliches. But that old cliche of once the jersey goes on, they're trying to win a tournament. And for most of these guys, if not all of them, this was going to be the only time in their career they were going to be able to play wearing a Team Canada sweater. None of these guys had played in the world junior, most of them, if any, uh, they certainly weren't, you know, they, they weren't getting the call for the Olympics, uh, when the NHLers were playing there. So right. this was big, big opportunity for them. So if their chances could be increased by bringing in a guy who played a little bit over in the show, uh, or in the case of Curtis Joseph, who was a superstar in the NHL at one time, they were all for it. They loved it, and they just drank it up. Uh, and those guys became uh, real touchstones to everybody else on the team. That was my experience. Do you have? And I guess if you've done eleven of them, you know maybe they start to run together a little bit. I don't know how you know clear you can separate them. But do you have one or two that stand out as your favorites? And and if so, like kind of what went into to making that a, a memorable tournament, the one that you enjoyed the most? Well, I got two for you. Yeah. I, I, got a uh i've got a i've got a, a normal one and then i have a, the superstar one the superstar one i'll give you first uh because it's much more straightforward i can't remember i don't have it in front of me specifically what the year was but it was the last time that there was a big nhl lockout so that was 2012 2013 there you go uh and it was the best team canada had ever assembled to play in the spengler cup you know, you had some big, big names there uh, and you had some big names playing for other teams. Uh, Kane was playing for Davos. Uh, Thornton was playing for Davos. Uh, you had uh, Duchesne. Power play. Oh, I, I, I wish I had the roster in front of me, but that Canadian team, you know, Sagan was there. Uh, Duchesne was there. I mean, just go. This, this was a, you know, this was an NHL team. Mm-hmm. Uh, years later, I ran into him just as an aside off the ice, and Sidney Crosby said he was always disappointed that he that he didn't come over and play in it. Uh, but he, he watches it every year during the holiday season, and he said, "I'd love to play in that." And he had a chance that year, and the stars didn't align, and and he didn't come and play, but he could have. That was an amazing team. That was just you know, and the the atmosphere around it was just bananas, you know, because. For European hockey fans to be able to see all these superstars, not just playing for Canada, but playing for other teams uh, was, you know, a, 
I, I hesitate to say once in a lifetime, but it was a it wasn't going to happen that often. Yeah, and, and I guess it, we should fill in for the listeners who you know maybe don't remember. Aren't from, lots of NHL players went to Europe and just ended up on random teams around Sweden, around the Czech Republic, Switzerland, wherever. And so if that team got invited, all of a sudden, yeah, you got not just on Team Canada, but this influx of NHL players on other teams invited to this tournament that's, uh, you know, like you said, and not just in Europe, but back in Canada where we're suddenly starved for hockey. We haven't had it in, you know, all fall or whatever. We're, you know, looking forward to seeing who's going to be there at for the for Team Canada at the Spangler Cup, it was wild. So here's the team you've got. I mean, it's <clears throat> there were some guys over there who who because they wanted to be loyal to, you know, guys who've been there before. But up front, you're t- Matt Duchesne, uh, Jason Spezza, John Tavares, Josh Holden, uh, Patrice Bergeron, uh, Sam Gagne, Tyler Sagan, uh, Ryan Smith. Like this was oh, a my goodness. Like that was a team. Uh, you know, uh, that was <laughs> there, there were some big, big stars there. And, uh, and then on Davos, you had um, uh, Patrick. No, not Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane. Yeah, you had Patrick Kane uh, playing for Davos. Uh, you also had uh, Joe Thornton, who was playing for Davos. Uh, and there were, you know, a bunch of other guys who were there. So it was it was like really big. That was a that was a big Spangler Cup. It was a lot of fun. And it's. It's just so funny to think about this little mountain town in Switzerland that all of a sudden has, you know, these superstars just arriving out of nowhere, <laughs> descending yeah. upon it. Yeah. It, it, so, so that's a, you know, that's a big, big memory for sure. Um, my other one is, is a big memory for a couple of reasons. It was earlier days, uh, Gary Green, my old broadcast partner at TSN, was coaching the men's national team uh, one year. And uh, he went over and he coached them in the Deutschland Cup, the Swiss Cup, and then the last was the Spangler Cup. So it, first of all, it was a real thrill to be uh, calling games where my old pal was in behind the bench again. You know, his he was a good broadcaster. His first love was always coaching. So he was so happy to be down there. But this team got bitten by the worst flu bug oh, no. I had ever up to the time. Oh, and it just went – it tore through like a scythe going through tall grass uh and guys were so tired because i talked before about you know it's a it is a tough grueling tournament you know you're you play if you go all the way to the end you play a lot of games in very few days so they were in really rough shape i remember going down to the dressing room before they somehow managed to get to the championship game and the flu was at its worst. And I went into the dressing room and there were guys hooked up to IV units to hydrate, uh, you know, saline solution, because it was not to be too graphic coming out both ends. <laughs> they were very sick. And I went down and they were playing a Russian team in the uh, in the championship game. And I went down, you know, to grab a coffee and, and talk to uh, Greener and, and just have a look around. And I came up. I remember saying to my broadcast partner, uh, Doug Honiger, I said, oh, man, this this could be a slaughter uh, because those guys, they can barely walk. And sure enough, game starts and boom. They look tired and heavy and not skating well. They're down like two or three nothing before you can blink an eye, as I recall. But then they started to rally, Mm. started to get their legs, and it all started to go their way, and they came from behind in the third period, and they won. 
and you love those stories was it was it was just it had everything going for it they were they overcame a mountain of adversity and in fact i think that was my call um at the end of the game of you know team canada overcomes a mountain of adversity and they are spengler cup champions again uh but it, it was on so many levels i was so happy for my pal uh gary green i was so happy for the players who you know honestly matt both of the, they uh, they should have been in bed yeah <laughs> Them should have been dressed and out there in the ice uh, chasing a puck around uh, and they fell behind early and it could have been a slaughter and I thought that's what it was going to be and as a broadcaster I started thinking well you know uh, how do I put uh, as as compassionate a spin on this as I can because you always you know you always as a play-by-play guy not a news guy you always hate to crush people too much when they're just having one of those nights uh, so I'm thinking those thoughts and then they got her going and they came back and they won. And that is really memorable one for me. So the real question is after that, you know, was the celebration any more muted because they were ill or did they find the strength to hoist a few after the game? A couple found the strength to hoist a few, including uh, greener who, uh, <laughs> who, who, who is a, you know, bulletproof. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, a lot of them, <laughs> I remember, um, I remember one guy in particular, and his name is escaping me at the moment, but I said, hey, I went down to the dressing room after the game uh, again, because this was in the early years. So, you know, you you walk down and you walked in the dressing room. It wasn't a big deal. And said, hey, you know, going out to having a cup of tea in the bar for a couple to celebrate. And he said, I'm going back to the hotel and I'm getting into bed. (laughs) And there were a bunch of them that did that. So. So uh, there was a, a muted celebration, I would call it. So we talked off the hop here then, Paul, just before we wind things down, that, uh, you know, maybe in passing you might take a look at the World Juniors. Does the Spangler Cup hold enough, you know, fond memories in your heart that you'll you'll pay a little more attention to that and be watching that this year? Uh, I do, but uh, but honestly, it's it's uh, it's tough to watch sometimes because I, I, really, I really miss doing it. It's uh, such a fantastic tournament and was such a, a, a big part of my career at one time, uh, helping it get it on the air and having a, a production role and, a, and and that kind of a role and also being the voice of the Spengler Cup for 11 years. Once you've done that and you, you've been that involved, it's kind of tough just to sit back and watch it. Like watching uh, someone else drive your car? A little bit. Yeah, it is very much. It's a good analogy. It's it's it. So it's a little bittersweet. So uh, I I may dip in for a little bit, but uh, I do find it for those reasons. I find it a a tough watch. Uh, It's a busy time of year. And uh, I know you always make time for us uh, during the holiday season to talk about uh, whatever's going on between either the Spangler Cup or the World Juniors. I always appreciate it. Thank you so much, Paul. This has been awesome. My pleasure anytime and uh, to you and yours uh, and your great listeners, a, uh, a very Merry Christmas here from, uh, from the, uh, the Walrus was Paul HQ. <laughs> and uh, we'll make sure we post the, uh, the links to the podcast and, uh, and Paul's social media. It's, it's well worth a, a listen, especially if you're uh, a Beatles fan, you'll, you'll absolutely love the show. Uh, yeah, best of the season to you and hope you, uh, you manage to find a couple more pints as we, uh, as we work our way through it. You bet. Thanks, Matt. Take care. Okay, there he goes. Uh, Look, always enjoy talking to Paul. He's always made time for our show. Very cool of him, and especially during the holiday season when everybody's got a lot going on. So uh, really 
glad he did that. If you have a chance, if you're into the Beatles, especially check out his podcast. The Walrus was Paul is the name of it. We'll link to it in the show notes at talkanaudio.com or wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, you'll be able to uh, to click there and, and go right to it if you want to check it out. Highly recommend it if you're a music fan, if you're a Beatles fan. Uh, he does a really nice job on that show talking to other Canadian musicians about what they think about the Beatles, about their favorite Beatles albums and songs and stuff like that. Very cool concept, very cool show. So uh, highly recommend that. As for us, stick around. It's going to be a good week. Maddie Lang will be here on New Year's Eve. As you guys are well aware, I do nothing but get older and grow more curmudgeonly, whereas Maddie Lang has managed to uh, to somehow hang around with the cool kids. He still knows what's going on in the world. The guy knows what's happening far more than I do. He's going to fill me in on what happened in 2022. What did I miss while I was watching reruns of 20-year-old shows and listening to old classic rock albums? What was the rest of the world doing? So that's going to be fun. We've done that before with Maddie, uh, kind of a year in review outside of the sports thing. Uh, and so Maddie will be around for that. As for the rest of the week, we'll see. I'm on vacation, you're on vacation, and God bless those of you who aren't and are actually back to work. Uh, but we'll see what uh, what's going to happen here throughout the rest of, uh, of the week. If there's anything worth doing, if I get the itch, maybe we'll jump back on here. But uh, if nothing else, like I said, you got that New Year's Eve show coming, so stick around for that. Uh, until then, let's get out of here. Enjoy the uh, rest of the downtime. Enjoy your family if you have the opportunity to do so here throughout the week and, and just put your feet up. Enjoy the hockey. Enjoy the holidays. Enjoy a couple drinks. And uh, my name is Matt Robinson. Thank you so much. We will catch you on the next one. It is over. Now that's a tasty beverage. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at tallcanaudio.com or by searching Tall Can Audio on your favorite podcast app.